Welcome back to our study of the Psalms. We are looking at Psalm 17 today. Psalm 17 begins by telling us it's a prayer of David. Interestingly, uh, Hamilton points out in his commentary on the Psalms that this is one of only two times that a psalm begins by telling us it's a prayer of David. Now, of course, David wrote many psalms, and many of those psalms can be seen as prayers, but only a couple times that we're, they specifically begin by telling us um, that it's a prayer of David. And here's what he says, here's what he prays, beginning verse 1. He says, Hear a just cause, O Lord, attend to my cry. Give ear to my prayer from lips free of deceit. From your presence, let my vindication come. Let your eyes behold the right. You have tried my heart. You have visited me by night. You have tested me, and you will find nothing. I have purposed that my mouth will not transgress. With regard to the works of man, by the word of your lips, I have avoided the ways of the violent. My steps have held fast to your paths. My feet have not slipped. All right, so David is praying here. Uh, for vindication, right? He wants to be vindicated. He wants to be proved right. Uh, he wants it to be clear that he is not in the wrong. And he protests that he is guiltless in this matter. And that is very key to understand that he's not claiming to be guiltless in every respect. He's not saying that he's sinless. He's not saying that he's done everything right. But in this matter that he is praying about, he is asserting and claiming that he is in the right and not in the wrong, that he has not uh, sinned in regard to this matter. And so he's asking God to vindicate him. Now, uh, we're not told specifically what situation David is addressing, but it seems pretty likely that he is addressing the situation with Saul. Remember, Saul tried to kill David on more than one occasion. Uh, he pursued David. Uh, David even had an opportunity to kill Saul at least once in the cave uh, where Saul didn't know David was there and Saul was vulnerable and David could have struck him down and killed him. But instead, he just cut off a, a corner, a piece of, of Saul's robe. Um, and so uh, it seems likely that's the scenario that David is is addressing here. And Hamilton points out that Psalm 18 uh does have a clear connection to Saul. In fact, in the uh, sort of the beginning title uh, section, which is rather lengthy in Psalm 18, it mentions God delivering David from Saul in particular. So uh, that just adds strength to the likelihood that David is addressing uh, his relationship with Saul here in this psalm. So he's not claiming to be sinless. He's not claiming to be perfect, but he is saying in this matter, probably with Saul, in this matter with Saul, I'm innocent, I'm guiltless, I have not acted in violence, right? I have not uh, done anything wrong, and yet I um, am being sinned against, right? And I need deliverance. Um, so that's why he can say in verse 1 that he's, he's praying about what he calls a just cause, right? A righteous cause. Um, he says his lips are free from deceit. He asks for vindication. Um, you know, he says, let your eyes behold the right. In other words, you know, look at me. I'm doing the right thing. Look at this situation. You can see who's in the right. It's me. Um, he says in verse three that God has, has tried his heart, right? So God knows God's tested him. He says, 
Um, and he says, you will find nothing, right? When you examine me again on this matter, you're going to find I haven't done anything wrong. Um, he says, I purpose that my mouth will not transgress. So he's not said anything simple. Um, he says in verse four, I've avoided the ways of the violence. So he's not acted violently against Saul. Um, he says in verse five that his feet have not slipped. So again, he's claiming in this matter, at least he has done what is right. So verse six, he says, I call upon you for you will answer me, O God, incline your ear to me, hear my words, wondrously show your steadfast love, O savior of those who seek refuge from their adversaries at your right hand. Keep me as the apple of your eye, hide me in the shadow of your wings from the wicked who do me violence my deadly enemies who surround me. So Saul, or excuse me, David is praying for deliverance uh, from his enemies. He's praying for God to rescue him, to protect him, uh, to be his refuge. He talks about his enemies uh, surrounding him, them being deadly enemies. Remember Saul at one point at least had an army with him pursuing David uh, in the wilderness. And so that can be what David is talking about there. And so he's asking God to rescue him, to protect him. Uh, to deliver him. And, and this makes sense, right? Because David has resolved not to reach out his hand or stretch out his hand against the Lord's anointed. Um, and we, we hear him uh, talking about this in, in uh, 1 Samuel. Um, he's not, he's, I believe, and he's not, um, he's not willing to resort to violence to stop Saul from pursuing him. And so he needs God to stop his enemy. Right, so then verse 10, he says, they close their hearts to pity. With their mouths, they speak arrogantly. They have now surrounded our steps. They set their eyes to cast us to the ground. He is like a lion eager to tear as a young lion lurking in ambush. So he says there, you know, my enemy is proud. My enemy is arrogant. My enemy is merciless. My enemy wants to destroy me. Right, so these are all the reasons why he needs God to deliver him. And then verse 13, arise, O Lord, confront him, subdue him, deliver my soul from the wicked by your sword, from men by your hand, O Lord, from men of the world whose portion is in this life. You fill their womb with treasure. They are satisfied with children, and they leave their abundance to their infants. So he here both prays for God to rescue him and to thwart his enemy. Right? So he wants God to rescue him, and he says, you know, subdue him, um, you know, deliver my soul. So thwart him, subdue him, rescue me. And then he describes his enemies um, as those whose portion is in this life. And this is a reference to what David said uh, in Psalm 16, uh, verse 5, where he says, The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. And then verse 5. Uh, or excuse me, verse six, the lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. So in Psalm 16, David says to the Lord, you are my portion. And now in Psalm 17, he says, the men who are my enemies who are hunting me and pursuing me, their portion is in this life. They care most about the things in this world, about their, you know, physical, tangible inheritance, money, property, things like that, that they can um, uh, inherit and, and pass on and whatnot. Um, but he says, my chosen portion, what I treasure above all, is God. And so um, that's the contrast between David and between those who are 
pursuing him. And then finally, verse 15, he says, as for me, I shall behold your face in righteousness. When I awake, I shall be satisfied with your likeness. So there he's talking about what's going to happen at the end when he's resurrected. He's talking about getting to see God's face. The Bible says that no man can see God's face and live. Even Moses was not allowed to see God's face, but only catch a glimpse of his backside. And yet the Bible says that in the end, in the new heavens and the new earth, we will see God's face. Uh, and so when he says, when I awake, he's talking about that uh, awakening in resurrection. So the Bible talks about death in terms of sleep and resurrection in terms of awakening. Uh, Daniel 12, 2 describes it this way, where he says, those who uh, sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, uh, some to everlasting life and some to everlasting shame and contempt. He's talking about the resurrection. And so that's what David is talking about here as well. At the end of Psalm 16, he was talking about resurrection, uh, specifically the resurrection of the Messiah, the resurrection of Christ. We saw that when we looked at Psalm 16 last time, how uh, Peter makes that plain in his sermon in Acts 2, that David was prophesying about the resurrection of the Christ. But here David is talking about his own resurrection as well. So how does this all relate to uh, to Jesus? How can we connect Jesus to Psalm 17? Well, uh, again, Hamilton said, uh, essentially, this psalm makes more sense in Jesus's mouth than David's mouth, uh, which is true, right? Uh, David can protest his innocence in this particular matter, but Jesus could protest his innocence in every matter because Jesus was perfectly sinless. The persecution and suffering that David describes himself experiencing here in the middle of this psalm also fits the kind of suffering that Jesus experienced in his uh, suffering and crucifixion, right? That he was also surrounded by deadly enemies, like David talks about in verse 9. Um, he also um, you know, had enemies who were uh, merciless, like he talks about in verse 10, uh, who were arrogant in their speech, again, verse 10, um, uh, like a lion eager to tear, verse 12. Like that, that's what his enemies were like as well. And um, then, of course, uh, Jesus, uh, when he dies and rises and ascends to heaven, he goes into the Father's presence, sees his face. Um, and so all of this is true, of course, as, uh, of Jesus as well, even more so than it's true of David. And then how can we pray Psalm 17? Uh, one, know that it's okay to protest in prayer, to protest your innocence, to say that you are not the one in the wrong. Um, sometimes there's something going on in your life where you can say, I, I have acted uprightly in this issue. I, I've not done wrong and I've not sinned against these people. And yet they continue to hound me and pursue me and try to, uh, you know, tear me down or tear me apart or whatever. Um, it's okay to say, God, I don't think I did anything wrong here. I think I'm innocent here. Um, we're not claiming innocence in every matter. We're not claiming to be sinless, but it is okay to say, I don't think I did what they are treating me like I've done. That's okay to say. Um, it's good to ask God to deliver you from your enemies. If you do have people who are seeking to harm you, to persecute you unjustly, all those kinds of things, ask God to stop them. Ask God to vindicate you. Those are good things to pray. And then finally, remind yourself of what your ultimate reward is, what your ultimate focus is. We want to be with God and see his face and experience his presence. Um, regardless of what happens in the scenarios we experience in this life, the hardship and suffering that we might face, uh, it's good to remind ourselves that 
um, one day, if we belong to Christ, we trust in him, we will see his face. And the Bible says, uh, when we see him as he is, um, that we will also um, be transformed into his likeness. First John 3, 2 says um, something to that effect. So anyway, be encouraged by that. Um, and uh, God bless. <laughs>